Over the last few weeks, we've been in a series called Why Church? And we were inspired to do this series based on basically what are people searching on the internet about church? Now, this came up before we had this horrible news about uh, the unmarked graves in residential schools that were led by churches. And so those didn't really show up in the results of what people are searching for. And I imagine if we redid this series as we planned it, uh, those would be some of the questions that we would be asking and trying to answer. But as we've been in this series, as we've been trying to look at what are people asking about the church, what we started off with, well, what is the church? It seems to be a huge question for people. And I think it, it's a question that is worth uh, reimagining over and over again, because a lot of us are confused as to what the church is. And hopefully, if you were with us, maybe you watched it on demand or in live on a Sunday, uh, we talked about how the church is this word, ecclesia, and it means called out people, that you are a community called out who is committed to Christ. And in that commitment to Christ, we act as followers of Jesus, which is something that David shared with us as to what does the church do. And part of that is to share the message of the hope that Jesus offers us. And that's what the church is supposed to do. It's supposed to be a community that is caring for those who are around, showing the love of Christ. And last week, if you watched online live or if you uh, tuned in at a different time on demand, uh, Dan McKinnon was sharing with us about why does the church hurt people? Uh, and I've known Dan for a number of years, and he's been uh, very instrumental in my own faith journey at different points. And I know he's someone who has gone through some hurt in the church, uh, in that general term, church, and as someone who's been a pastor and is currently working in a mission organization. And hopefully you've got some insights in there about how, yeah, the church does hurt people. That's the truth of it. Any place where there are people, people will be hurt because people are people. But the church is meant to point to Christ. And so we need to recognize that even in the midst of people being imperfect, people doing painful things, we need to meet at the cross of Christ, as Dan shared with us last week, uh, and encouraged us to do, and to find our own healing, uh, and as well as our forgiveness when there is need for it, and our offering of forgiveness for those who need it as well. And so as we've been in this series of Why Church, uh, these are some of the questions that people are asking online, and these are some of the questions that you've been asking as well. I know that because some of us have had conversations about it. And one of the questions that, that comes up, and has come up many times, is why do people go to church, or why should we go to church? That's a fair question to ask, because if the church is a community of called-out people who are committed to Christ, then what does it mean to go to a building on a Sunday or to tune in live online uh, like some of you are doing now or some of you are doing afterwards on demand uh, and connecting in chat? Like, Why would we do these things if the church is more than a Sunday morning service? It is more than a building. It is more than an organization. If it's really just people, why do we go at all? It's a fantastic question. And it's one that I think some of you are asking it. I think some of you are asking it because you're struggling with, well, what do we do when we can show up in person? Over the last year and a half, we have not been showing up in person at Bromley. And so you haven't really had to wrestle with it. Some of you want to, and I know you do because we have conversations about it. 
And some of you have been kind of wondering, well, maybe do I ever have to go in person again? This is really nice. It's really nice to not have to get out of my pajamas, or it's really nice to actually stay in my bed watching on my phone, or it's really nice to tune in on a Tuesday evening and actually not have to go anywhere on a Sunday. We're asking these questions because it is really nice. It's hard sometimes when we get out of a habit to get back into it, and it makes us wonder, well, why did we even have that habit in the first place? So why do we go to church? Why are you tuning in right now, live online, some of you? Why are you tuning in later, on demand? Why will you show up in person in hopefully just a few weeks when we have in-person gatherings? These are fair questions to ask. And a lot of us have this idea that the people who are asking it are younger people. That there are people who, you know, maybe didn't grow up in church, so they're wondering why should you go to church? Or maybe they did grow up in the church and they just really go, well, I like sleeping in on Sunday morning. And that might be true, that there might be a lot of younger people who are feeling that. But I have to be honest with you, the people who've been asking this question to me the most, or the people I know who actually don't go to church on a Sunday morning, are the people who are like 60 to 80 years old. That's not all of you. I'm not trying to say that at all. But I know that the majority of the times when I have these conversations with people, they're usually in that kind of an age bracket. People who've, uh, maybe they're retired, maybe they're empty nesters, and they just kind of wonder, well, why do I even bother anymore going? And I think it's a fair question at any stage to ask. Because what does a church really offer you? Or more importantly, what do you offer the church? So why should we go to church? I think there's a few reasons that come up throughout Scripture that really paint the picture as to why church attendance, so showing up on a Sunday or it could be showing up on a Wednesday, whenever church is held, whenever that service of people gathering is held, I believe there are some very important scriptural teachings as to why that is important to be together. And the first one actually comes from Jesus. And some of you might be saying, like, I don't remember... Jesus talking about going to church. And you're absolutely right. Because the first time that church is mentioned, which I shared about a few weeks ago, was when Jesus says to Peter, on this rock, I will build my church, my ecclesia, my gathering of called out people. The first time it's mentioned is in this very specific place, the Caesarea of Philippi, and to a specific person, Peter, that the church is what Jesus is going to build. So if Jesus is going to build the church, when did he show up to it? Well, in Jesus' day and throughout his life, he didn't have church like we have church because the church is a Christian institution and Jesus was Jewish. And as a good Jewish person, he went to synagogue. In fact, in Luke's gospel, one of the early mentions of what Jesus did with his time was in Luke chapter 4. It says that in verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. So this is just following his temptation in the desert where the devil of Satan tempts him to basically renounce who he is, that he is God in the flesh. And it says that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit 
And news about him spread through the whole countryside. So he's returning to Galilee. You know, he's going, going back home. And people are hearing all about it. And it says in verse 15, he was teaching in the synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, so this is a Saturday, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. So Jesus goes into Galilee and he is, people are like, hey, I've heard about this guy. I'm really interested in him. And he goes and he teaches and he's teaching in the synagogues. And everyone's like, wow, I love your teaching. And then Jesus goes to another place, Nazareth, the place where he was uh, brought up. And it's a Sabbath again. And he goes into the synagogue and it says, as was his custom. So Jesus on Saturday went to synagogue. That's the equivalent of a person who follows Jesus going to church on a Sunday as is their custom. Jesus made it a priority in his life to go to a gathering place where people worshipped God together. The synagogue is a similar practice to the church today. And it still is for those who are followers of Judaism, that they still go to synagogue. I see it on Saturday mornings. We live in a neighborhood where there's a synagogue nearby, as well as there's a Hasidic Jew community. And we, I see them Saturday mornings walking about, going to their services. For Jesus, he knew that was a priority in his life. So let's get this straight. God comes in the flesh. The word is incarnation. That God comes in human flesh to us in the person of Jesus and he still shows up to church every week because that's his custom. Jesus knew this was important. You would think if anybody could blow off church, it would be God. He would say, hey, I don't need to go. It's all about me anyway. But Jesus, it was his custom. To me, that's a prime reason as to why we go to church. As someone who desires to follow Jesus, to live like Jesus, I should be practicing life like Jesus. And if I were to practice life like Jesus... I would go into communities that are called out and committed to him with other people regularly. It would be my custom. If I want to follow Jesus, I should be living and acting like Jesus. And one of the things Jesus does is he goes to church. Yes, the word is synagogue, but it is the same principle through and through. God thinks it's incredibly important that people gather together. Well, why would that be? Well, there's a few different other passages that say things. And one is that people go to church for a reason. They go to be built up and encouraged by each other. The author of Hebrews writes this in verse, starting in verse 
23 of chapter 10, the author of Hebrews says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we professed, for he who promised is faithful. So let's hold on to the hope we profess in Jesus. That in Jesus, we know there is more to life than what we might experience on the average day. That there is more to life and the life to come. And it is a hope we can have and we can hold on to hope. And so we hold on to it unswervingly because he is faithful that because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, there is a demonstration, a powerful demonstration that there is forgiveness for sins, there is healing for the broken, and there is hope for the hopeless. And that in Jesus, we can find that. And he is faithful, so we hold unswervingly to it. So the author of Hebrews says, do that. Don't let go of that hope. And how do we do that? So let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. How do we all hope we encourage each other to keep loving and doing good because of Jesus, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Meaning that there will come a day where it's the end. We don't know exactly what the end looks like, but keep going till then. Keep going to places together to encourage each other, to hold unswervingly to the hope that you profess that Jesus is Lord. And because he is Lord, everything can change. Everything can change for the better. And it's really easy to forget that. It's really easy to give up on that because there are days where nothing seems to be changing for the better. It seems like everything is changing for the worse. And we wonder, where is God in the midst of it? Well, how do you keep going? You meet together. You encourage each other. You can only do it together. It's the only way we were intended to be human. It's in community. It's okay to want to be alone sometimes. There's a benefit in solitude. But we're meant to be a community. That's what the church is. And so the author of Hebrews says, don't stop meeting together. Whatever the meeting looks like. Yes, we've had to physically stop meeting together, but we can still gather together online. And yes, I know it's not exactly the same, but it's something. Don't stop gathering together so that you can encourage each other. That is part of why you go to church, to encourage each other. Yes, to get encouragement, but more so to encourage others. Being part of the church is about being self-giving, of loving others and encouraging others to love others. That's why we go. That's why we need each other, because left to our own devices— the easiest thing is to stop caring about other people. It is so easy to stop caring about other people. It is so much easier just to care about yourself, your needs, your wants, your desires, and maybe just the immediate people near you. It is a hard thing to care about people who, you know what, are sometimes hard to care about. But that's what the church is about. It is a community committed to Christ. His ways of living. It is different than everything else. It's not supposed to be the kind of place where you have to be perfect to show up. 
supposed to be the kind of place where you can come because I, like you, am broken too. And in our brokenness, we can go to meet the healer, Jesus. And in our brokenness, we can encourage each other to find healing and hope. The church isn't for perfect people because there are no perfect people. The church is where we come in our brokenness, in our need to meet our Savior and to encourage each other to meet that same Savior every day and do good through Him. Some of you have been reading Proverbs lately, and in Proverbs 27, verse 17, there's this fantastic proverb, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron. Have you ever thought about that? You know, we, we go to be in community, and what do we get out of it? Well, we get sharpened. Well, how does iron sharpen iron? Through friction. You know, I have, like probably you, I've got a drawer full of knives that you just throw in, right? And you, you throw them in, and they kind of hit each other. They get dull, and they beat each other up. That's iron and iron together in some ways, but it doesn't really sharpen anything. Iron sharpens iron when you intentionally bring friction and cause it to rub against it in a quick manner. You are intentional about the friction that's caused, and it will sharpen. In the same way, when we intentionally challenge each other, we intentionally cause friction for the purpose not to be in an argument, not for the purpose not to just upset someone, but for the purpose to help someone be more who they've always been meant to be, to hold them accountable, to encourage them to grow, they will be sharpened and you will be sharpened too. That's part of what we are meant to do for one another. I've got to tell you, a lot of us would rather live and be around people who never challenge us. Life is way easier, but life never gets better. We only get better through challenge. We need each other to challenge each other. And a church should be a healthy, safe place to do that. It should be a place that is safe, but not soft. Where you can be challenged to be more who God has intended you to be. Day in and day out. And sometimes you'll mess up. And sometimes you'll do amazing and you'll be encouraged. And when you mess up, you'll be challenged to do better and try again, but to not give up. As iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another. That's part of why the church is meant to be together. It's also the church is meant to be together because it's not about us. It's about serving other people. In Ephesians chapter 2, one of my favorite passages in scripture, the apostle Paul writes to this church in Ephesus and says, uh, you are God's handiwork. You are God's masterpiece. The word here in, in Greek is poema. You are God's beautiful work of art. His poem created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. As a community, as a church, a community that is called out and committed to Christ, you're meant to do good works together. One of the things that a lot of us desire to do is to do good. We want to help each other. But you can multiply your impact when you do it together. One person can help a little bit, but a bunch of people can help a lot. And a community that is committed to Christ can do amazing things. 
We are meant to serve others, and that's part of what the church is for. We at Bromley do that. We serve others. In, next week, there's going to be starting the summer camp. We had to take a little bit of a hiatus last year. But it's exciting that we're offering an opportunity to families in the neighborhood to encourage those families to get a little bit of a break because we know it's been a tough year, to encourage those kids to have a safe place to be loved, maybe have some uh, encouragement, some positivity that they don't get elsewhere, and hopefully to know who Jesus is and the difference that Jesus can make in their lives at a young age. It's part of what we do. We serve others. We serve others through our global missionaries. We have partners in El Salvador who are working with uh, young people, making sure that they are not getting intertwined in gangs and trying to help them get out of it. They're also helping communities to make sure they are prepared for just life in general. We have partners who are in Guatemala, the Susis, who are working with churches, who are dealing with food scarcity, they're doing, dealing with education, dealing with all kinds of things. We have a community partnership here in Ottawa with Matthew House that helps refugees, people who are resettling into Ottawa, who are coming from horrible places. As a church, we do good together, and it is more than we can do on our own. This is the history of the church. The first schools were done by churches. The first hospitals were done by churches. If you could look at the statistics of the difference that faith-based communities make in communities, you would see that how the money that goes to faith-based communities is exponentially more impactful than any other nonprofit organization. There was a study that came out a few years ago done by Cardis that did just that. And it demonstrated how each dollar is basically turned into four dollars when you give it to a faith-based charity. Because they do more good with what they're given. We as a church do more good together. That's why we gather. We do it to serve others. That's part of it. Not one of these things is, is in isolation. They all work together. We are meant to do good together. And finally, I believe also that churches gather. You come to church to be equipped. In Ephesians, again, the Apostle Paul says this in one of my favorite passages because it informs me about what my role is as a leader in the church, as a pastor. He says this in Ephesians 4, verse 11. So Christ himself gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ, the church, may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining the whole measure, the fullness of Christ. Paul is saying very clearly that there are leaders in the church and they're meant to equip people so that they can equip each other to do the good that God has for them so that they can mature. It's about being more than you are today. We all have space to grow. Our mission here in Bromley is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ one step at a time. We all have a step to take in maturity. Whether we've been going to church since we were five years old and we're 95, or maybe we just stepped into a church for the first time somewhere on a Sunday, or tuned in online for the first time, we all have a next step. I have a next step. 
You have a next step. We all have a next step to grow in maturity. And that's one of the reasons why we gather. So why should you go to church? Well, first off, Jesus did it. Jesus went to church, and if we want to be like Jesus, we should act like Jesus. And if we're acting like Jesus, he acted in going to church. As was his custom on the Saturday, he went to synagogue, Luke tells us. That's part of what his life was. So if I want to be like Jesus, I do what he does. I got to tell you that it is very rare for me, even when I'm on vacation, to not be in church on a Sunday. I love Bromley. I love being a pastor at Bromley. I love being your pastor. I love serving you and I love getting to know you and walking alongside you in this journey of faith. And I got to tell you though, it would be really easy to not go to church on a Sunday when I'm not working in a church. But I make it a priority because I know that I can encourage others and others can encourage me. I can get something out of it. I can give something, even if it's not my regular Sunday community. But even if I wasn't a pastor, I would make it a priority to commit to a called-out community of Christ, to a church. And I would attend as regularly as possible. Everybody misses a Sunday, I know. Because I know it's important. It's what I'm supposed to do. It's what Jesus did, and I follow Jesus. We also go to church because it's an opportunity to build each other up. And so we shouldn't we should not stop meeting together as some people were used to, but we should encourage each other to do good works, to spur each other on, as the author of Hebrews tells us. We should go to be challenged, to be encouraged, to be more than just who we are today, to take our next steps, to serve others. You were made for good works, and you can do more good together in a community and to be equipped for those good works, to grow in maturity. Those are five reasons to go to church on a Sunday morning, whether it's to go online like you are right now. Some of you are live. Some of you are on demand. But I hope at some point it is to show up in person to have that community connection. I believe that you can have a community connection just online as well, but you have to be intentional about it. You have to make it a priority, saying, I'm not just going to consume this church service, but I'm going to cooperate. I'm going to contribute to it. And so you can do that when you're, when you're online by being in the chat. But when you're in person, you can do that by encouraging each other one-on-one, encourage each other in small groups, maybe participating in a small group or leading a small group, helping with young people who are students, helping with kids, Serving in some capacity, whether it's in music or even teaching, you could teach. There are a variety of things that could do because you are meant to be a contributor in a church, not just a consumer. So why should you go to church? You should go to contribute. And that's my prayer for you. And as we start moving towards these in-person gatherings that I cannot wait to happen, and I know some of you can't wait either, Think about how you can contribute. How can you make a difference by showing up on a Sunday, being you, as broken, as imperfect as you are, and serving? That's what we're here for. 
to take our next step to contribute and to do it together as a church. I hope to see you soon in person on a Sunday or at least in the chat regularly. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you have invited us to be this called out community that is committed to Christ, the church. And as your church, help us to be contributors, to be like you, Jesus, in our love for each other, to do the good works you have prepared for us, and to encourage each other to do those good works together, and to be more than just who we think we are, to be who you mean for us to be together. Holy Spirit, we need you to be your church. We need you to empower us, to encourage us, and to draw us in, because sometimes Sunday mornings we would rather be sleeping than showing up online or in person. But challenge us, Lord. Challenge us to be contributing members of this community. Not just passive consumers, but active contributors to your church. Because that's why we gather. That's what we're meant for. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.